What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast. It's Friday, so this is the Gold Diggers Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. She is Michelle Majuk. Michelle, what's going on? Hey, hey. It's a lovely weekend here. It's fall in Houston, which you love. You love to see that it's no longer 90 degrees. I get to wear sweatshirts <laughs> outside, and it's, it's a great time to be alive. You've got your homage sweatshirt on, I see. If you're watching on the stream, you can check that out. If you like the sweatshirt, you can click the link in the description of this episode. It'll take you right there. You can get your own. Before we get started with Brown's breakdown and best bets for the game, I just want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you read a rev- uh, leave a review, I should say, I will read it on the show. This one comes from Jackson4021. Five stars. Easily the best source for Niners content. This podcast has something different every day of the week. Mondays with Vish is your source for analysis and facts that make you think, how can he remember this stat from 12 years ago? The chemistry on Tuesdays between Steph and Jason is incredible. Wednesdays with Grant is your midweek dose of energy, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Thursdays with Levin is the closest thing you get to good old-fashioned sibling bickering, and it's always a must-watch. And Fridays with Michelle is the spot for best bets, good laughs, and horrible PFF grades. Can't forget to mention Rob, the captain who steers the network all week, all while being the biggest Sam Darnold fan out there. What a jerk. All in all, a great podcast for 49ers content. Thank you very much, Jackson. We appreciate it. Again, leave us a five-star rating and review. It helps us get up the charts, which helps more people discover us, which is obviously something we want. Now, it's week six, Michelle. Niners are 5-0. and oh. They're finally going on the road, which I know is something that is very concerning to you when it comes to injuries. But I just look at this team right now and like, what is not to love? There's really nothing. I mean, they're just absolutely dominating a a streak of 30 plus points in eight straight games. Only four teams have had a longer streak. It was the 1999 Rams, 2010, 2011 Patriots, 2012, 2013 Broncos, 2006, 2007 Patriots. Guess what? They all made a Super Bowl and had the NFL MVP on their roster during Mm. that streak. So what they're doing is truly historic. It's not something to take for granted. It is, it's been incredible to watch. I mean, anytime you think there's going to be a close game, it's not, they just destroy them. So again, (laughs) this game, we think maybe it'll be close because the, well, the thing is we'll talk about the quarterbacks, right? Because Deshaun Watson's not playing. We just Mm -hmm. got noticed. So this shouldn't be a close game, but you think maybe it's a lower scoring game for the 49ers because the Broncos defense is tough. But probably not. I mean, I still think they're going to put up 30 points. It's getting ridiculous at this point. Like, they don't even play well on offense sometimes and still put up 30 points. Plus, you mentioned with no Deshaun Watson, it's going to be P.J. Walker in for Cleveland. He may give the Niners a couple turnovers, which will help the offense. You know, they may not necessarily have to drive 60, 70 yards every time to get a touchdown in this game. Uh, excuse me, Kevin Dennis says, Hey, Michelle, have you seen the ringers quarterback rankings that have Purdy at number 22? He was 27. Have you seen these rankings? And if so, what are your thoughts? Why would he be at number 22? That's silly. I would have to go look at the rankings and see what they are, but I can't imagine in what metrics or qualifications they're using unless it's like full career. I don't know. I would, I don't even understand what they could possibly have him at 22 for. So it's Steven Ruiz of the ringer. This has sort of become a thing here. Um, Cause he also 
would go on to say that the 49ers can't win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. So he's got a lot of 49ers fans. I do listen to Steven Ruiz and the Ringers podcast, and he does, you know, he was he does have something with he does not love Brock Purdy, but he was saying on the latest podcast that you know he was not going to be shocked if Brock Purdy ends up winning MVP this year. So I think he's coming around, <laughs> but maybe that's why he has him down at twenty two. But that's just silly. I, I think the furthest you could possibly have Brock Purdy at this point is maybe like quarterback twelve if you're saying that the system's bringing him up. Um, but that would be the absolute lowest that I could imagine you having that. So here's what the website says. It says Purdy's accuracy and timing are the keys to his success in Shanahan's stacked offense. But even in those categories, Purdy is league average. His ball placement forces his receivers to make many awkward adjustments and his timing can get thrown off by pressure with a historically generous margin for error. Those issues don't pop up as much as they would if Purdy was playing in a typical NFL offense. If Purdy improves his accuracy and isn't as reliant on Shanahan to scheme receivers open over the middle of the field, his ranking can rise to match his statistical production. I, yes. need, to, I need to ask him what is average because right now throughout this season, Brock Purdy has a perfect perfect pass rating 153.8 on downfield throws throws of 10 plus air yards perfect passer rating it's the highest obviously that you can get but no one else has done this in the next gen stats era since 2016 so i want to know what's average about what he's doing it's beyond average it's elite he's doing elite things I'm looking for the tweet. I can't find it now, which is incredibly frustrating because I really thought I saved it. But basically, there's actual data out there to support the fact that Kyle Shanahan is not scheming guys so wide open way more than anybody else this year. That, yes, yeah, some of the guys are open, but some the, the separation between receivers and defenders is not like guys are wide open every play. I think that's a common Shanahan narrative. But this season... There's been some of that, yes, for sure, but a lot of these throws are not with a lot of separation. They are big-time, tight-window type of throws. Uh, I just think there's a lot of, he's the last pick in the draft. They have a loaded offense, which is true, and Shanahan is a really good play caller, which is true, which I, look, Purdy benefits from. There's no doubt about that. Anybody would benefit from that, but I also think that there are things that you can look at and say, he is doing this, you know, because of his own talent, whether that's from the neck down or the neck up. Yeah. And I think a big part of him having some, you know, wide open guys, when you do see that it's his processing, right? He's really good at process, processing the field, not throwing it in when he doesn't need to unnecessarily and checking other players and getting the ball into the right spot. So I don't, Yes, Kyle Shanahan is a great play caller and he's doing great things and it does make it easier for any quarterback. But I, I think people are really undervaluing what Brock Purdy's doing this year. Like last year, maybe you could say a lot of this stuff, but I think he's taken that next step forward and he's been everything you could ask for in a quarterback. Well, that's an interesting point that you make because yesterday Purdy met the media and he talked about how he's taken a step forward. He talked about the improvements that he's made year one to year two. I wish I had the the clip. Sorry, I would play it for you. But basically what he said was he's processing things faster. He's got another year in the system. Don't forget last year he was a rookie, right? He was learning the system last year. 
he he has the system now. He knows it. He he's not spending time learning the system. He can focus on other things. And he basically said that, yeah, he feels like he has made a leap and he has his completion percentage is up by 5%. He's thrown for a hundred more yards per game than he did last year. So he has made actual improvements to last year. And 22 seems really, really low for me. I get if you don't want to put him like top 10, I could understand that 22 is bottom third. Yeah, like I said, 12 would be the absolute lowest I could even imagine anyone going. That's not where I would have him. I would have him higher. But 12 is the lowest he should be on any of these lists. Again, without me looking at it, I don't again, I don't know what he's using for. But still 22, no matter what type of metrics you're using <laughs> and whatever you're trying, you're, you know, saying if it's the full career or whatnot, it's too low. Benjamin Bear, which shout out to Benjamin, by the way, he's the person that hooked me up with the tickets to the Cowboys game. It was a pleasure to meet Benjamin and finally get to talk to him face to face instead of just texting. It was such an incredibly generous thing that he did. I'm so, so grateful for it. I will cherish the memory of that game on Sunday until I am dead and buried. So thank you. Thank you, Benjamin. He says their analysis includes the fact that he played in a lower senior bowl, started for four years and was picked last in the draft. So he must be average at best. I think people are having a really hard time with saying Purdy has some physical limitations, but also he's really good and he's a very good processor and he doesn't put the ball in harm's way. Like they're having trouble justifying those two things. I was saying, I was talking to my dad on the phone and I was like, this would have been so crazy to say, I think a couple of weeks ago, but I really do think that the 49ers may have found the next Tom Brady, the next guy that was drafted extremely low and shouldn't be as good as he is. And everyone says it's because of the system, but guess what? He just gets it done and he wins games and I'm calling it. I, I think at this point it's still early, but I think they may have found the next Tom Brady. Yeah, and when I like that you clarified that when you said the next Tom Brady, you meant a low picked guy that has a lot of success, not yeah. the guy that's going to win seven Super Bowl. No, I, I think he's going to win a lot of Super Bowls. Wow, that is yeah. maybe not might... seven, not seven, but I think he's going to win three Super Bowls over the next five years with Kyle Shanahan. Wow. Okay, you have just skyrocketed up the top of the. Brock Purdy rankings when it comes to who's buying in on the gold standard network and probably anywhere. I mean, damn, how many quarterbacks ever have three Super Bowls? Bradshaw, Montana, Brady. Uh, Bart Starr has three championships, I believe. I don't know if they're if he has three Super Bowls or not off the top of my head because he was playing before Super Bowl was a thing. But you're talking elite velvet rope territory of all quarterbacks all time. You're giving him three. Three. Yep. Wow. Uh, Benjamin says there's another ringer article that goes into depth about Brock Purdy. And at the end of the day, they call him an average to below average quarterback, no matter what. I don't want to comment on that article without reading it. That seems pretty harsh to me, but uh, I will go read it and eventually give you my thoughts. So thank you, Benjamin, on that. Waltony 101 watching on my Twitch page. Thank you very much. He says, personally, I couldn't care less where he gets put on some arbitrary list that has no bearing on anything that matters. Purdy was actually asked about the rankings and he couldn't have cared less about, he just was like, Nope, don't care all about the Browns. Like he doesn't care. Good for the ringer and Steve Ruiz though, that he's getting this much recognition on this article. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say that about him getting back into the game though, in this matchup with Brock Purdy, 
I did just want to say on the road, like I'll bring up his road. We've been talking only great things about Brock Purdy. Home road splits. They are quite eye-opening. Now, he's great anywhere, and he's great in all situations. So they're still not bad. Let's just clarify that. But they are different. So as a starter, home games, nearly a 75 completion rate. Uh, away games, 65 completion rate. So that's a 10% drop-off. His yards per attempt, this is just so stupid. At home, 9.9. That's insane. And away, 8.1, which, by the way, 8.1 yards per attempt is top-notch for a quarterback. It's still, still top-notch, but it goes down from 9.9 to 8.1. He has 14 touchdowns at home, only six on the road. Now, he has played two fewer. He started two fewer games away, but it's still 2.3 passing touchdowns per game at home, 1.5 at home. Passer rating drops by a good 30 points. But again, at home, it's 134.9. and Absurd. And then 103.8 on the road. So still really, really good. It's just they are pretty drastic splits. and just something to keep an eye on as we move forward. It's such a small sample size, only starting four games on the road. Those, you know, can shorten up mm-hmm. a bit with the gaps. But just something to keep an eye on in this tough matchup. Someone brought up in the comments already that it might rain in Cleveland. And even starting in October, Cleveland weather can get pretty nasty. And if there's rain, maybe there's wind on that lake. So maybe it is a gross game and that could definitely affect them putting up 30 points or Brock Purdy having a nice day. First of all, I forgot that we have a former Cleveland native here. So you're an expert on the weather. I should have mentioned terrible, terrible weather. Flynn West is the person that brought up the weather. It just take a second though. You were like, yeah, that could impact whether or not they score 30 points. Like, that's amazing. I remember when Jimmy Garoppolo was here and they were scoring 19 points a game, 30 points. We would have like, it would have been unbelievable if they had scored 30 points. Now we're like, yeah, I don't know if they'll get to 30. Like, it's not even a question of they'll win. It's like, will they get to 30? points? this is such an amazing time to be a 49er fan. It's, I just approach the Sundays with glee and joy. There's no dread. There's no angst. Even going into that Cowboy game, I was like, let's go. Bring on the Cowboy. Like, you know, there's no fear anymore. Listen, and I think they can even hit 30 points because with uh, P.J. Walker starting, I mean, how many touchdowns do the 49ers defense have? I would not be surprised if they have a couple huge turnovers and score two defensive touchdowns or get it down to the 10-yard line so it makes it an easy touchdown for the offense. P.J. Walker, I'm so sorry. I feel like Deshaun Watson's. I wanted Deshaun Watson to play so bad. Yeah, he's fucking Niners. I hate him, and I want. I wanted him to have to face the 49ers. I would have loved that. He would. The 49ers would have destroyed him. It would have been so much fun to watch. I feel really bad for P.J. Walker. He's getting thrown into the situation. Yes, he is. It's going to be terrible for him. He's been terrible as a starter besides one single game. Right? He had one good game, decent game, I guess we can call it. Um, and besides that, it's all been bad. So PJ Walker, I'm so sorry for you that you're put in this position. Yeah, it's not a fun thing for PJ Walker for sure. Uh, Benjamin says, come on, Michelle. It's not like Brock Purdy playing in Iowa state doesn't have any experience playing in bad weather. Levin said the same thing yesterday, but it is bad weather at the NFL level. And Purdy himself said yesterday, the game is faster up here. Obviously it's faster than it is at Iowa state. You have to also what... understand your body acclimates to weather so fast. He's been living in California now for a, a couple of years. I've been living in Houston now since living in Pittsburgh just a couple of years ago. I can't deal with cold anymore, 
right? <laughs> when I lived in sure. the north, you you deal with the cold differently. Now it gets I it's it was literally 71 degrees the other day outside and I was sitting I'm like, "Oh my god, it's freezing." And I look at the weather, I'm like, "It's 71." So your body does you, you know, it acclimates pretty fast. It, it does. And I'm not saying he's going to suck just because of the weather. He does have experience playing in bad weather, but Cleveland weather, if it is, I, I haven't looked at the weather, but if it is supposed to be rainy and maybe windy. Uh, it's always windy there. Like walking down the streets in that city, it's always miserable. It, it can get really, really gross in Cleveland. That's the understatement of the year. Walton, in one-on-one, I think part of the lack of fear comes from not worrying week to week. A loss will come at some point, but it won't derail the team. Yes, it, I don't think they're going undefeated, but th- they will eventually lose. Anybody can get beat. It's like that line from Game of Thrones, right? Anybody can be killed. Anybody can lose on any given week. But yeah, like it's not going to derail it. I can't get mad at a team that loses one time in what is going to be 16 games. I mean, that's just is insane, but the fear is gone and it is a beautiful, beautiful place to be. I just want to soak it in. I just <laughs> I don't mean to rub it in your face, but like, I remember when the 49ers were where the Steelers are right now and it sucks. And this is the complete opposite of that. And while it's here, you better believe I'm going to enjoy it. Oh yeah. Being a Steelers fan sucks. We are. So it's so funny. I say that they're at the top of their division, but they're so bad. Right. It's very weird. When we look at this game, there is one thing that does give me a little bit of pause. And it comes from our friend, Jack Hammer, who has talked about it a lot uh, this week, rightfully so. It's the fact that Kyle Shanahan kind of struggles a little bit with Jim Schwartz. For whatever reason, sometimes there are always like weird matchups where guys, you know, have another guy's number, but. Jack Hammer wrote that in nine matchups with Kyle Shanahan, Jim Schwartz's team has won eight of them, including the last seven while holding Shanahan's offense to an average of just 15.7 points per contest. Now, and that includes, by the way, Shanahan's really good Falcons offense in 2016. To be fair, I said, hey, Dan Quinn kind of has Kyle Shanahan's number going into last week's game against the Cowboys, and the Niners boat raced them. They had 14 points before the Cowboys even had a first down. So not saying the 49ers can't score a bunch of games, but that's a pretty big sample size, Michelle, and maybe for whatever reason, Jim Schwartz is able to crack the code a little bit on Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think the most eye-opening part of this, uh, it's in that article, but also in his tweet, it said, As a Falcons OC in 2016, Shanahan's offense averaged 33.9 points through the first nine games. So a good sample size there. In game 10, they faced the Eagles with Schwartz as the DC, and they they held uh, Atlanta to just 15 points. It was the only time that season the Falcons didn't score at least 23 points. That is interesting to me. And now this is my beef. Right. And I'm going to yell at you 49ers fans for a second. Uh-oh. If you go look at the comments on his tweet, they're actually insane. And you guys need to just <laughs> breathe. They're like, oh, you're going to look so stupid on Sunday. But he didn't say, hey, he never once said the 49ers were going to lose, that they were going to struggle, that they weren't going to score a lot of points. He's just bring. these are real stats. These are real right. 
facts. He's just giving you an interesting. I thought it was extremely interesting to read it. Yes. If they do end up struggling on Sunday, maybe this is a reason why. Like you can look back at this and be like, wow, so Jim Schwartz is good against Kyle Shanahan. It's it like people are like, you're gonna look so stupid on Sunday, but you haven't deleted this yet. Like just go coming at him. And it's like he hasn't said anything but given you factual information, you crazy people. Like he can't, I, I, he's not even saying anything bad about the team. So I just don't understand where it, it can't just all be, they're going to destroy them. Like they probably will, but you can come, you can look at it through many different lenses. It's insane. There's a portion of this fan base that, that will take even the reporting of fact, which is exactly what this is. Like these are literal straight facts. This is just reciting history. And they take that as a slight, as a knock, as, oh, my God, like there is a section of that fan base. I mean, I'm going through it right now with Brock Purdy, just because I said I'm not making him the franchise quarterback. And because in March, I tweeted that Brock Purdy is not special. So people took that one tweet and have said that I can't ever praise Brock Purdy ever again because I'm somehow a turncoat, even though clearly Brock Purdy is playing at a level this year that he didn't even play at last year. There is a section of the fan base that just doesn't want to hear anything remotely negative about the team right now. And look, I get it. Life is good. They're kicking everybody's ass. They've won all these games, but we got to be able to look at actual facts here. It's Jack's job to help us contextualize and analyze this game. And that to me was the most meaningful piece of data that's come out this entire week. Yeah. And let's say they do get held. Right. And then you're like, what is going on with the offense? Now you have a little bit of context around it and you don't have to worry as much. Cause like, you're not going to be facing Jim shorts again. You're not going to be facing the Browns again this year, unless they, the Browns somehow made it to the Super Bowl, Right. Like that's the only way you'd face them again. So it would be nice context to have and people are crazy. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. And it's I'm also so- drinking a bloody Mary. So. Oh, but no mimosa this week. No, I didn't have champagne. So bloody Mary. Ah, well, I appreciate it. Good. Delicious. I made it so good and spicy. (laughs) I'll make the show go a little longer today. So we'll get a little spicy at the end of the program. Well, I already said they're going to win three Super Bowls in the next five years. How much spicier do you want? Uh, Well, bring it. Let's see. (laughs) I'll tell you when you get to the limit. Uh, It's so hilarious, by the way, that this is we're talking about Jim Schwartz because Jim Schwartz has such a fantastic history with the 49ers. I don't know. Do you remember this, Michelle? If you're watching, I, I, I heard you talking about it yesterday, but I don't remember this. So if you're watching on StreamYard right now, or on YouTube, I should say, there's a picture of Jim Harbaugh and Jim Schwartz having to be separated. And this, this is a literal thing that happened. Most people probably remember, but if you don't, before Jim Harbaugh took over, it was the lockout in 2011. So he became the head coach of the 49ers, and there was no contact between players and coaches, legally anyway. And Jim Schwartz and Jim Harbaugh were at a dinner together. And apparently Jim Schwartz looked at Jim Harbaugh and said, boy, you're really kind of screwed this year. You're at a real disadvantage because you're not going to be able to talk to your team or anything. Like you might have a tough year this year. Well, apparently that was it. Jim Harbaugh, Jim Schwartz was on Harbaugh's list after that. And he was super fired up and they played later that season in Detroit. Niners ended up coming back at the end of that game and winning it. Alex Smith let them down. They got a touchdown. I believe it was on fourth down right at the end of the game to win the game. Afterwards, two coaches come together for the handshake. They do like the handshake. And then as Harbaugh is kind of like looking past Jim Schwartz and like before he lets go of the hand, he slaps Jim Schwartz on the back, like gives him a big slap. And Jim Schwartz apparently didn't like that. 
And he came at Harbaugh and they had to be separated. They were like face to face, had to be separated in the picture that's up right now on YouTube. That guy in the middle is Bob Lang. He was the 49ers communications director at that point. He literally had to break them up, as you can see, because they were going to fight. So it's just hilarious to me that now the Niners are playing the Browns. And who's the big, bad defensive coordinator on the other side? It's Jim Schwartz. Who's that player giggling? Um, I don't know. That might be Anthony Davis, the right he looks, tackle. He looks time. like he thinks it's just hilarious. That's <laughs> funny. Well, it is kind of. I mean, I've never seen two head coaches. Like, they literally had to be separated. It was a whole thing. Uh, it's just fantastic. So, needless to say, I wouldn't be uh, – I wouldn't shed a tear if the Niners kicked the tar out of Jim Schwartz's Browns this week. Nah. And he also has a very punchable face. So, that's okay. He does have a punchable face. Benjamin says Jim Harbaugh would have kicked his ass. That would have been a fight. Like, yeah, I was going to say, Jim Harbaugh looks like he could fight. Like, he could – he's going to win. He's also crazy. And you never, ever pick a fight with crazy. Yeah, he, he looks serious. In that picture, he would have scared me. And, like, shorts is smaller, a little chunkier. Thomas Thomas says, are you drinking a non-alcoholic Bloody Mary, or is she full-blown getting faded? Uh, I'll she's say right. getting faded. <laughs> well, I'm not drinking tomato juice, only no. Um, <laughs> there is a little bit of vodka in it. I didn't put a ton. It's a I do think it's hilarious, way. right? Whenever people order a drink, what do they say? Well, it's five o'clock somewhere, right? Ha ha ha. You can't drink before five. Yet, if you have a Bloody Mary at or a mimosa. nine o'clock in the morning, totally okay, right? Totally acceptable. <laughs> What's the difference? Also with my Astros cup. Let's Grr. go Astros. I hate the Astros as a Mariners fan, although they are in the LCS for the seventh straight year. They're kind of like on a 49ers type of run, right? The Niners have made the conference championship game three out of the last four. The Astros have made what is essentially the conference championship game in baseball for seven straight years. And we could be in the midst of that kind of run right now, Michelle. Like they literally could be there, especially if Brock Purdy continues to play the way he's played. My biggest worry is that they're too hot too soon, right? Can they keep this up the whole year? And I don't know who stops them. Like when you watch the Eagles, they are not close to as to doing what the 49ers are doing this year. It's it's not even the same. They look good, don't get me wrong, but they're not dominant. And they are getting games done. They're also 5 and 0 and you have to give them credit for that. And they, they do look just as good as last year, but the 49ers are by far the best team in the NFL. And I don't think anyone can argue that in either conference. There's been nobody that's been as good as consistently as the 49ers. Like, yeah, the Dolphins put up 70 and their offense is great. They've also had down weeks where they've scored like 20 points and lost. The 49ers are, they are a machine. That's why I keep using that word specifically because it's win every week. It's 30 points every week. And it's one turnover or less every week that just happened every game during this winning streak that the 49ers have been on, which is the longest streak of like that in NFL history. So that's where we are right now. I don't know why you would have any other team ahead of the 49ers. Look at the Chiefs, Michelle. I mean, the Chiefs offense is if they didn't have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, holy crap, would they be in trouble? And I really think that they're benefiting a lot from Andy Reid because he's such a good play designer. They don't have anybody other than Kelsey that that is doing anything in Kansas City. Yeah, if they didn't have Kelsey last night, I don't think they win that game. Kelsey oh, was the only one open doing yeah. anything. Clearly. Oscar Alfaro says, Rob's favorite Ninja Turtle is Master Splinter. No, my favorite Ninja Turtle is Michelangelo, the obvious choice for coolest and best Ninja Turtle. 
I can't I can't say anything about this. I have no idea. I couldn't even name one oh. Ninja Turtle. What? What? I didn't know Master Splinter was one. I don't know what you just said as a name. I don't know. You don't know the Ninja Turtles. No, I do not. Teenage do not Ninja Turtles. Heroes I, in a Hat. I've heard of Ninja Turtles. Teenage Turtle Power. Okay, but I never watched it and I don't know any of the names. You don't know the names? No. They're named after the most famous artists in history. Donatello, Leonardo, Raphael, and Michelangelo. Mm, okay. This is blowing my mind. It's Ninja Turtles. I think that was like a boy show. Uh, there, there is no such thing as a boy show and a girl show. I love Rocket Power. Did you watch Rocket Power? No, I didn't watch Rocket Power. Rocket Power was the best. <laughs> that is, that it is. Went, it went like that. So disappointing. You are losing respect by people in the chat, including Gabriel, who says she's whack. I Sorry. agree. Sorry, Gabriel. Red says Leonardo is clearly the best. No, he's not. He's a big tool. Anyway. Yeah. Can you name a Powerpuff girl? I can't. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> See? No, I can't. Talk to me when the Powerpuff girls have been around as long as the Ninja Turtles have. Okay. I'll say I, that. I, I, yeah, I would say, um, so, so, uh, yeah, I can't name one Powerpuff girl either. No. JJ00 says 90s versus 80s kids right now. I am a baby of the 80s. 85. That's me. I'm You're still at... 90s because I just got in there at 91. Let's go. Okay. Snuck in. And iScott says, YouTube channel member, by the way, shout out to iScott. If you want to be a YouTube channel member, it's less than $3 a month. Priority comment response, custom emojis, which I just made a bunch of new emojis from pictures from this season. And you get membership badges. iScott says, I just lost all respect for Michelle. Turtle power, LOL. Hell yeah. So sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. I'll learn my Ninja Turtles. Yes, that's your homework for this week. And then come back to me and tell me why Michelangelo is clearly the best one. Now, let's get to some best bets. You've got three best bets this week. I have a couple, and I'm even considering, if I'm feeling really strong, I'm considering a parlay, which I almost never do, because I think in my entire 38 years on this planet, I've hit on one parlay in my life. But every Parleys week, I are can... very hard. Yes, I always talk myself into making a parlay bet. Uh, if you don't know, by the way, I should mention parlay is a combo bet where you do at least two individual bets, but you lump it all into one wager. So no matter how many you do, every single bet has to hit in order for you to win. If even one bet doesn't come through, you lose the whole thing. So that is just a quick explanation there. Three best bets for you, Michelle. Give me your fastball. So I'm going to take an easy one. I think this is pretty easy. It's PJ Walker under 166 and a half passing yards. A, does he even make it through this game? <laughs> I, I know like their other option. I, I think that Dorian Thompson would still be the backup, right? Like I know they're not letting him start again after last week, but I would guess he's still going to be active. And as their backup for this game, he probably comes in at some point because I envision PJ Walker having what? three interceptions or uh, two fumbles and an interception by halftime, but he's had 177 or fewer passing yards in five of his six starts. Only one time it was week eight against the Falcons. He put up 317 passing yards. He's not going to do it. Like he, he's just not going to do it against his 49ers defense. So I never take unders, but I'm going to take it, especially if the weather is going to be bad, even better. Let's go. That is such a low number. 
It is. I don't <laughs> care. He, okay, but he's had – so he's only started six games since 2021, right? He's had 167 passing yards, 108, 60, and nine passing yards in one game. No, he only had 10 pass attempts, but he was a starter. Three completions for nine yards. I could totally see him having that and then getting taken out of the game because this is his line. It was three for 10 and two interceptions. So he mm. had almost as many interceptions as completions. And then they're like, yeah, you need to come out of this game. <laughs> and I could see that being the same exact thing against the 49ers. This is kind of a sacrificial type of game for him. I really yeah. do. He was on the practice squad. Like I, it's a really rough spot for PJ. You, let's say that the Browns are playing the Broncos this week. Deshaun Watson would be playing. Maybe. I, I don't know what's going on with him. That yeah, whole weird about that. saga has been a disaster for the Browns, and I love it. Good. I want to see Deshaun Watson lose every game he ever plays from now until the rest of time. So I'm totally fine with that. Uh, I agree with you, though. I would take P.J. Walker. It's a low number, which scares me. But, yeah, I just I don't know how they're going to. I mean, Amari Cooper is good, but I just don't see how he's going to hit the over on this. I think he'll turn it over a couple times as well. So I'm with you on that one. Okay. Do you have another best bet for us? Um, someone asked, Michelle, what's your over under for bronze turnovers? And if that is available anywhere, I feel like it would probably be at two and a half because I think they're going to get three turnovers. Like in this game, do you see the Browns getting out of this without turning the ball over three times? Because I don't. Three. I mean, if they go ultra conservative, they might not turn it up. They're going to have at least one, I would think. What are, how are they going to go ultra conservative though without Nick Chubb? Well, they could still run it. It's just the here's the problem: is going to get destroyed. The Niners are going to go up by multiple scores, probably early in the game, and so Cleveland is going to have to pass. And if they have to pass, they will turn it over between the pass rush getting to PJ Walker and the way the linebackers in the secondary are playing right now. They will turn it over. So. I would definitely, if there was like a one and a half, I would smash that over. If it was two and a half, I, that might be rough, but definitely one and a half for me. Uh, Oscar Alfaro says, best bet Debo over a hundred all purpose yards. Do you want to join him on that? Mm, no, I don't either. I think he could have a great game. Uh, and I would have, I could put him somewhere in like the 60 to 80 range, but not over a hundred. I don't think so. No, I, I'm a little bit worried about the wide receivers in this matchup, but I'm not worried overall. Like, I think everyone will get a little bit, right? It's going yes. to have to be spread around. This defense is a, a good passing defense. But my next best bet is that Brock Purdy will throw over 203.5 passing yards. So they have it very low. And I did bring up his home road splits, but he's still averaging 232 passing yards per game on the road. So that gives him a little leeway with a harder defense. He's hit this number in eight of his 10 starts. And I know Levin brought up some really good points about, yeah, the Browns defense on paper, they're not giving up very many yards at all, but they've had some really nice game scripts for that. Right. And a Joe Burrow in week one just wasn't himself. But if you allow Kenny Pickett to put up 222 passing yards against you, and he only completed 50% of his passes, then I think Brock Purdy can do it with, it'll be just fine. I would be a little, I mean, I'd see, that's a low number too, but I could see the Niners, especially if the, if the Browns turn it over early and then the Niners are up, then they just run it. Then it's like, I do think they're going to have a little bit of trouble running the ball. The Browns, Browns defense in line is really step up 
this year. I do think they're going to have to do a lot of short passes and we'll get to that in a second here with my third best bet. But so I think Christian McCaffrey will be just fine and he's going to get a lot of receptions and receiving yards, but that will add up for Brock Purdy, right? So he doesn't need to have any like big, huge throws to hit 204 yards. True. Okay. You convinced me. All right. Uh, Best bet. Number three, your third and final best bet. Christian McCaffrey over three and a half receptions. So I don't have to worry about how efficient he is on these receptions, but I do think he gets a bunch of targets in this game. Like I said, I don't, he, they're going to run right. And they're not going to be terrible at it, but I don't think they're going to find as much success as as they have in previous games. So I think they're going to have to get creative and find different ways to get the ball down the field. And I think it's going to have a lot of Christian McCaffrey targets in this game. They, the Browns are allowing receptions to running backs. They're not allowing a ton of rushing yards, Uh, but Christian McCaffrey only had two receptions last week against the Cowboys. They didn't need to pass really. I mean, they were just destroying (laughs) them the two weeks prior though, seven receptions and five receptions. So I do think he hits this number at least four in this game. And I love that. I don't have to worry about what he does with those receptions. I just need him to catch the ball. It could be for negative yards for all I care, but that's all you need. Honestly, the only thing you have to worry about is what we've seen a couple of times where Brock throws it to him, but it's technically a backwards pass. So it counts as a run. That's the only way I see you losing this because I agree, especially if Cleveland gets some early pressure on the 49ers. You know, Brock's just going to dump it down to Christian McCaffrey because every time he does, he gains like five yards because it's ridiculous. Uh, How about this from Waltony 101 over under two days until Levin references the fact that Michelle said he made a good point. Oh, man. That would mean he would have to listen. Smash the all. He listens. He listens. Don't let him fool you. Uh, I would take the under on that one. I like all those best bets. I would take every single one of those. I feel good about that. I have a couple. um, And you know me, I kind of have some favorites that I do every week. I love the defensive bets, Michelle. And this week I'm taking two. And then, you know, maybe I can combine them into a parlay because I feel really good about that. Nick Bosa and Miles Garrett over under 0.75 sacks. I love each one to get a sack this week. I think because the Browns are going to have to throw so much, Bosa is going to find a way to get one. Miles Garrett is a freak. He, I keep saying this, but it's true. Like, what do we do if Miles Garrett's planet decides to send more people like him? Like, he is one of the craziest looking human beings I've ever seen. He's going to get a sack. He's going to be on Colton McKivitz at some point in the game. And I think he's going to find a way to take Brock Purdy down. So I like both of those guys. The only thing that stinks is Garrett is minus 120 to get a sack. Bosa is minus 150. So, for example, for the Bosa bet, you have to bet $150 to win $100. So the odds aren't totally in your favor. But I just think that the I'm so confident that they're each going to get a sack that I'm still going to bet it anyway. Yeah, my whole thing is if Kyle Shanahan comes out and he's really trying to get the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands quickly, maybe Miles Garrett doesn't get there. I do think Miles Garrett is the most overrated player in the league uh, by a lot. I Yeah, I think he's really good. The thing is, I think he's really good, but the way that people try to make him be like the best defender in the league, he... He's not that. He disappears all of the time. He he just he's becomes a ghost. There's some games he has great games, some games he's a ghost, and he lives off of having that insane body. I mean, that's why he's good. And that's like, I mean, that's awesome for him that he was given. I mean, I know that's a lot of work as well, but he was given a huge frame, right? Huge. I don't know. 
he he's overrated in my mind, but he could definitely get a sack. Sure. Um, right. He could. Yeah. Would you, so this is the one you'd want to parlay where they both get it. Yeah. I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to parlay it up if I can. Uh, sometimes they don't always let you, but give me those two. Like, hell yeah. Um, another best bet for me that I liked in this game. I got burned the past two weeks with the Jake Moody field goals because the 49ers just keep scoring touchdowns. And so I keep losing the bet over or under uh, 1.5 field goals, changing it up slightly this week. My Jake Moody bet for this week is going to be Moody over two and a half extra points. I don't think there's any way the 49ers don't score 21 points in this game. I really don't. I think they're going to get three touchdowns. So to me, this seems like the easiest bet. Then I, I don't have to worry about field goals by Jake Moody. Just give me extra points. They've scored 30 points in, in what is it, eight straight regular season games now. So give me Jake Moody over 2.5 extra points. Does it have anything about, I know sometimes they offer like the amount of points they need to score as a kicker. Do they have uh, that up there? See that. Okay, because sometimes they'll have the point. I kind of would rather take that with Jake Moody. So you don't have to worry about a certain number of field goals he makes or a certain amount of extra points. But like sometimes they'll have like 6.5 total points for Jake Moody. So if he mm -hmm. kicks a field goal, that's three points, obviously. But uh, I, I kind of would rather go that route. But yeah, you could see this being a game that maybe they struggle in the red zone a little bit. The Browns have also been exceptional on third down. So maybe they get them into a third down near the goal line or something and they have to kick with Jake Moody. Uh, so if you can find that bet and they do have it quite often, I, I would prefer that. But yeah, like you said, they typically always score three touchdowns in a game. So he should hit this. Come on, Jake. Moody. At some point, I need to find a way for you to make me money. Yeah, have you just been losing on Jake Moody every week? <laughs> yep, <laughs> two straight weeks. I, I didn't think the 49ers were just going to stop kicking field goals and score touchdowns every single time. But, I mean, they are absolutely rolling right now. Now that you do the extra points, they're only going to kick field goals. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. A couple other things I want to get to uh, before we call it a show. Vincent has asked, and a lot of other people have asked, Frank Clark just got released. Does it make sense to pick him up? I don't know where you stand on this, Michelle. I am hard past. Like, no, there's no reason to just grab uh, Randy Gregory too. Like, right. no reason to go pick up Frank Clark. Frank Clark's got a lot of skeletons in his closet. He's done a lot of terrible things to women. I, I want. I don't want to have to cheer for that guy. I'm sorry. And the older I get, the more I care about that stuff. When I was in my 20s, I didn't care. I just cared about him as football players. Now I'm almost 40. Yeah, like I don't want to have to root for that guy. So sorry, hard pass on Frank Clark for me. And then a lot of people are asking about Randy Gregory. Uh, Oscar says, do you think he plays? If so, what are his splits with Bosa and the other defensive ends? To me, there's no reason why he shouldn't play. Like, he's not a quarterback. He doesn't have to learn the system, right? He's been there all week. They're probably only going to put him down in passing downs anyway. Just get in there and run at the quarterback, dude. He should play this week. And I was it uh, week five where Drake Jackson went down with a small injury? Is he? Uh, I think he's okay. Wait. He just got the wind knocked out of him, I believe. But, yeah, he hasn't been doing a whole lot lately. No, right? we haven't heard from him since week one, basically. Yeah, week one, he had a nice big game, but I don't remember really seeing him much at all. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why they got Randy Gregory, because they kind of recognized, you know, there's a hole there. Uh, JJ00 on my Twitch page, at Stats on Fire. Frank Clark is a dirtbag. Randy Gregory just likes the devil's lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very two different things, but. Uh, and the last thing I want to touch on, and I'm trying to pull up the tweet as I just thought of it, 
I believe it was Dan Graziano of ESPN had either a tweet or a report that said, basically, don't rule out the 49ers making another big move before the trade deadline, which, by the way, is Halloween this year. So October 31st, obviously, they made the move to get Randy Gregory. Now, that, that was a very small trade that cost them basically nothing, and they're not paying Randy Gregory any money for this year. But I love hearing that, Michelle. I love it that the Niners are not just resting on their laurels and saying, hey, we've got a really great team. And they do. I love the fact that they're still looking to add. You can't have enough good players. Yeah, I wonder if they're looking for a secondary piece that they can go trade for. I don't have anyone in mind right now that they would go get. But wouldn't you think that's the one position they would need? I don't know if you're going to mess up the offensive line at this point. So much about the offensive line is gelling and get those reps. And they haven't been bad enough this year that you're like, we need to change this out and fix it. So I can't see them really making a change there. But uh, they could use another corner or maybe a big time safety. Flynn West agrees with you. They need another corner. JJ00, a lot of people keep bringing up Patrick Sertain. They're not going to trade him. I just don't think they're going to get rid of him. He's so good, and he's so young. He's 24 years old. I know Denver's having a fire sale here, but you don't get rid of 24-year-olds. You keep the core pieces. You keep the core young pieces. You're only going to be able to trade right now for guys that have to get paid next year maybe on bad teams, and they're not going to be able to pay them, or underachieving younger guys or older veterans that – you know, teams are like, okay, we're not going to win with you anyways. We can trade you for something. Like, those are your options. I don't think Patrick Sertan is a viable option. I yeah, I agree with you. Heinemann says, go get to Neil Hunter. Again, like, especially pass rushers. Keep piling them up. Yes, please. Like, just come at people in waves. This, this whole defense is built around the pass rush. So if you want to add more, they've got the cap room. I really what about Harrison Smith? Why do you think they need a safety? Well, I don't know. I just need, I don't know. I guess they don't really, but I would love them to just keep adding to their secondary. Tashawn Gibson has played really well. He had an interception in the Cowboys yeah. game. But uh, when, what if one of them gets it? I mean, I guess you're not going to trade for a veteran guy, but I, you don't think Harrison Smith would be an upgrade to Gibson? Uh, maybe, but I mean, Gibson knows the system at this point, and I, I don't know. I don't think it would be so much of an upgrade that you give up assets and risk potentially, you know, disrupting things. That's fair. Gibson seems to be good. Plus, Justin have, Simmons, he's still young. They're not they have young. Jair Brown. Like, remember that was a thing. So, like, you should. Their third rounders don't count. You don't. You don't count their third rounders. Uh, Benjamin Bear says, "Can we trade Darnold for Cousins, please? I would love that." But hey, I don't now you don't have to worry about Kirk Cousins on the team next year. True, it is true. And let me just tell you. That is of really what if we have a whole off season without having to talk about the quarterback just because Brock Purdy is amazing. I would love to live in that world. I, Cause that means either Brock Purdy has had an amazing year and they've gone on a deep run. They've probably gotten back to at least the NFC championship game, right? That cause otherwise maybe there would be some discussion about Brock because Brock could still struggle the rest of There's still, you know, a lot of time left in the regular season. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he doesn't throw two touchdowns every single week. But if they get back to the NFC title game, no one's going to be talking quarterback controversy. No, and even if they didn't, they're not with the way Brock Purdy's playing. It certainly seems like it. And and again, he's so cheap and all that stuff. Um, 
Nick watching on Facebook says, amen, Michelle, wouldn't that be insane? No quarterback drama. I know George Kittle would be all about it because he keeps talking about how he's had it every year. What You know what we talk about, which would just be like super refreshing? The draft. We have a first round pick in 2024. Oh my goodness. We could read mock drafts again. I want to just, I wish we could, I'm enjoying this year and I don't want to just skip through it, but I just want to know are the 49ers in the Super Bowl? Just tell me. Just tell me. I just want to know. Right. Just press the fast forward button. Like, I, <laughs> it's so hard to go through every week. This is how it used to feel as a 49ers fan. I remember the 90s vividly. And every year it was, are we playing Dallas? And do we win in the playoffs? That was it. That was the only thing that mattered. And it does feel like that again. And let's not take it for granted because it's fantastic. Cynthia, YouTube channel member, says, hi, Robin Michelle. Hello. Benjamin says, coincidence that Rob left the Dallas game at the exact time Sam Darnold came in. Absolutely not a coincidence, Benjamin. <laughs> I refuse to have, have that image in my eyeballs of Sam Darnold. I watched him enough in the preseason. Uh, I Cynthia, stopped watching the game, yeah, at that point. Yeah, there was no need to. Cynthia says, Rob, I can't believe I missed you at the game. So I'm so sorry that I didn't get to meet more people at the game. Benjamin had amazing seats that were club-level seats and so you had to have a special ticket to get where we were. So I couldn't meet as many people as I wanted to meet. I did meet Steph Sanchez, which was awesome. Her hair the was The fact immaculate. that you met her before you met me, it makes me so jealous. You're jealous? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we'll have to uh, do a face-to-face -face show at some point. Maybe that'll be a thing that happens. I would certainly like it. That would be fun. But I did get recognized by somebody and we took a picture together that like made my whole day. That made me feel like a big Look shot. You being so famous. It was, it was super cool. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but hopefully I get to do it again. I'm trying to work on Aaron, my wife, and just like, please, can I go back? I need to go back. I can't go back to watching on TV, Michelle. I told you it's amazing to be in person, but also primetime games are the way to go. Primetime games. There's nothing like it because if you go at one o'clock or the early games, you feel like you're missing out in the rest of the league and you're like, Oh, mm -hmm. what are the scores? It's not the same feeling. Those night games. Oh man. They're so good. It was weird for me. And apparently Cynthia had club level seats. Well, you're that's awesome. I, I may have walked right past you, Cynthia. Um, it was so weird for me. It was like Sunday night football, but it wasn't dark. The sun was still out when the game started. Like, oh, it yeah, yeah, because we were at the West Coast. It didn't feel like a Sunday night game. Whereas, like here, like it gets dark, especially later in the season because it's winter, and it, like it gets dark, and all the games are over, and you like you start to build that excitement. But for me, it was like, wait, it seems like the middle of the afternoon, and we're doing this is it. This is a Sunday nighter. It was it was definitely an adjustment for me to be on the West Coast. Wait, so I'm getting confused for a second. What what time are the games start on the West Coast? The Sunday night game starts at five thirty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I was, I was thinking right. Okay, I don't know why. I, I knew this, but my brain was. Um, I think I'm getting close to the bottom of How's this. That <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I struggle with the time difference. At the end of every show, I try and plug like the next day's show, and Levin always makes fun of me because I can't like do the the math while talking. I just can't do it. It's only three hours, but it's very difficult for me apparently. For some reason, I was like, wait, it still would be eight o'clock their time. And uh, yeah, I was, it, I don't normally have this issue. I think um, I'm getting like hot and red. So I think oh, that's a bloody Mary. Yeah. That is a bloody Mary. All right. Well, then maybe we should wrap it up before this uh, goes <laughs> off the rails any further. 
Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. We really, really appreciate it. Rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. And like and subscribe to the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel. Hit the bell so you know when we go live. We go live every weekday. And immediately after the game, we will be live doing the Instant Reaction Podcast. So you want to hit that bell so you know right when we start and so you could join and be a part of it. It's one of my favorite shows of the week. Plus, we've got a bunch of stuff happening. The Madden Simulation, I got to do that and throw that on the YouTube page. That's going to be coming out. The Crossover Podcast is coming out. We take a deep dive into this matchup with someone that covers the Browns. And our Best of show is going to come out as soon as I finish putting it together. Now that we've done this show, it's the best five minutes from every single show of the week. If you want to listen, maybe hear some people you've never heard before. So we have a ton of offerings, even starting today and going right up until game time. So please, please, please check those out. Michelle, I hope you have a fantastic Friday and a fantastic weekend. Thank you. Go 49ers. I don't have Steelers to watch this week. It's all 49ers. Let's and go. please beat the Browns for my Steelers. Thank you. Bye anything, anything we can do to help, Michelle. Sorry I stepped on your bye, y'all. Yeah, you ruined my bye, y'all. Say it again. Bye, y'all. <laughs>